Welcome to this week's Detinuum Pod Letter. I'm your host and author, Eric Gonzalez. Watch out for those data charlatans. Detinuum Newsletter, January 8th, 2024. Data unfiltered. Hype cycles proliferate data and AI charlatans. A common consequence of hype cycles is that many charlatans are created. These are typically individuals who have never operated in a field or domain, but suddenly have strong opinions and become armchair experts on the subject. These same individuals will likely create four to five figure training courses, make claims like, quote, how I made 1 million doing blank, end quote, plus any other way to fraudulently take money while riding the hype cycle. Data, AI, and generative AI have been the primary hype cycle over the last year and a half, and many AI expert charlatans were created as a result. For those in the field, it's easy to spot a charlatan by probing them with a few pointed questions about the subject. However, for other newcomers or bystanders, it's easy to get sucked into the salesy allure of these individuals to be convinced that what they are saying is accurate, and you ultimately buy what they're selling. The best psychological framework that can be used to understand these individuals better is the Dunning-Kruger effect. The effect essentially states that unskilled people in a particular domain will exude overconfidence and persuade others that they're knowledgeable when they genuinely know little to nothing about what they're talking about. I first learned about this topic by studying neuroscience in undergrad. However, I became the poster child for the quote, peak of Mount Stupid, end quote, after taking one ML course from Coursera. After taking that course, I thought I knew everything I needed about building ML models because I'd created one linear regression model on the Titanic data set. Mind you, I learned nothing about data governance and data security for ML applications, the fundamentals of data engineering, deploying a model to production, CI/CD pipelines. Yet, if you asked me then, I would have confidently said that I was an ML expert. Later that year, I started my master's program and quickly fell into the, quote, valley of despair in my first semester. I realized all the areas I was deficient in, and it wasn't until completing my master's that I felt I knew something about ML, while at the same time understanding that I didn't hold the candle to a PhD developing tools at Google, Microsoft, and now OpenAI. Going back to the Dunning-Kruger effect, there are four key areas highlighted on the confidence-competence curve. One, know nothing, the start of the line. Two, peak of Mount Stupid, initial peak. Three, valley of despair, valley after the peak. Four, way to enlightenment, upward slope following the valley. This is a natural progression for anyone learning any subject. You don't know anything, then you know a little bit and overconfident, then you realize you don't genuinely know anything, then you acknowledge you have more to learn, but you've learned something. While it is a natural progression, most people get stuck on step one, while charlatans love getting settled at step two. The personality types in the Dunning-Kruger effect, the know-nothings. These individuals always get stuck in analysis paralysis, claiming they want to learn, but never starting their journey out of fear. They continue to buy products, books, courses, and anything that gives others the impression that they're starting the journey, yet they never open a page, watch a video, or take that first step. The danger isn't that these individuals aren't learning a subject. Most people shouldn't waste time learning something they will never use. The danger is that there is perceived progress from running in place and never getting started. The Mount Stupid's on the peak aka charlatans. You need to watch out for these individuals in the data world and elsewhere. They spend two, three, or four months learning about a subject and immediately claim to be an expert, which is why you should, quote, pay them $500 so that you can earn $1 million in six months, end quote, doing what they learned three months ago. 
when the going gets tough or the hype cycle gets going, these same individuals will hop onto the next subject and spend several months learning that and poof, they're experts again. Notice how many AI influencers have a background in blockchain and NFTs. There aren't overnight successes in data, business, and the world. It takes years and 10,000 plus hours to stack incremental wins for long-term success. Anyone who states otherwise either became lucky and hasn't regressed to the mean yet or is lying. Chances are it's the latter. The Desperate Wanderers in the Valley These individuals had a soft or likely hard landing into the valley, which can result in one of three paths. One, giving up and reverting to what you're familiar with. Two, starting a new subject and restarting the curve. Three, pushing forward and building proper knowledge. The first two are comfortable. They don't require you to grow or gain knowledge and are the easy way out of learning a subject. This isn't the same as cutting your losses and realizing that a subject isn't what you thought it was or that you aren't as interested as you once were. This is running away from hard and refusing to expand your knowledge. That is why most people in this category seem busy without a clear direction on what they're building or what is next because they're also uncertain about their journey. The Enlightened Ones These individuals stayed the course and are now becoming experts in their field of study. The key to being an expert is understanding that you're not an expert, but rather a work in progress that will never be complete. The best quote is from Shakespeare, who states, quote, A fool thinks himself to be wise, but a wise man knows himself to be a fool, end quote. By the transitive property, all charlatans think they're experts, but all experts believe they are charlatans. Data in the world. Lawsuits keep rolling in from Microsoft and OpenAI. Microsoft and OpenAI were sued for copyright infringement again this week by two nonfiction writers. This lawsuit comes shortly after the New York Times lawsuit and months after another class action suit from fiction writers. Also, this was my number one prediction coming into this year from last week's newsletter. Wavestone's 2024 Data and AI Leadership Executive Survey Results The 2024 Data and AI Leadership Executive Survey has been released from Wavestone with interesting findings from over 100 participating companies. The good, participant profiles and improvements, higher CDO and CDAO representation versus other positions, 89.8% this year versus 84.6% last year, and more diverse industry backgrounds. CDO, CDAO appointments continue to rise to 83.2% this year. Data are being used as a business driver by 77.6% of organizations, a big jump from last year, plus 18.1%. The bad data quality effectiveness remains low, 37% success this year. Data and analytics responsibilities remain scattered in the C-suite. 33.6% of organizations have a non-CDAO leader running DNA. CDAO reporting structure continues to be all over the place. Only 15.9% report to the CEO. The SOSO, 89.6% are increasing investment in generative AI, yet data quality improvement efforts are at 37% success. Generative AI implementation, only 4% are in production, a low number, but it is good that these tools aren't being applied recklessly. CDO, CDAO role is now thriving and established on average by a hair 51% of the time. United Health using ML to deny rehab care. UHG has been using ML models to deny rehab care to patients based on a particular set of parameters unbeknownst to patients. In my experience, payers will always deploy this technology first and providers will play catch up. 
Eventually, there will be AI battles between the two models on what is approved and denied, with patients suffering between the adversarial models. Data career tips. Learn to manage up. Everyone has a boss, no matter your level. Analysts report to managers, directors report to VPs, C-suite executives report to the CEO, the CEO reports to the board. Regardless of your role, you must manage up effectively. However, this is a skill rarely taught. Managing up is vital because it cultivates positive relationships between you, your team, and your boss, removes communication gaps between you and your boss, shows accountability for your deliverables, and safeguards against micromanaging. To effectively manage up, follow these three steps. Review the next steps and priorities at the end of each conversation, provide a time estimate and receive confirmation on when the deliverables will be completed, and follow up on the deliverables and follow up on feedback. Reviewing the next steps and priorities at the end of each conversation shows that you can be trusted and understand how to prioritize. This is an essential skill for anyone wanting to advance in their career and necessary for people leadership. By providing time estimates and receiving confirmation on when the work will be completed, you are aligning on timelines and showing that you can be held accountable for tasks. Following up on the completed work and the feedback with your notes in your Jira board, at your stand-up meeting, or via email will highlight that you're an effective communicator, are coachable, and can handle constructive feedback. At every stage in your career, you'll need to manage up. The more effective you become at it early on, the better for your career. Data leadership, forcing square pegs into round holes. Quote, the job needs to get done, so someone needs to do it. End quote. This tends to be the argument for most, quote, leaders when they assign a task to an individual that doesn't fit that individual's skill set or passion. The argument works if you're a small team, everyone is overburdened, and the team is falling behind on pushing work out. However, most of the time, the manager giving this work fails to ask a simple question. Is this something that you want to be doing? Let's use an example with person A and person B and project one and project two. If person A wants to learn project one and is passionate about that work, then by all means, give person A that work. If person A is not, then maybe person B is also not passionate about project two and would enjoy project one more. In that case, you can put person B on project one and person A on project two. I was faced with a scenario like this early in my career. During a one-on-one -on -one with a person on my team, he told me that he wasn't passionate about healthcare, studied finance, and wanted to focus more on that domain. The problem with this request was that we worked for a healthcare client and our contract was for three more months. To fulfill his request and also help the project, I executed three steps. One, backfilling his role. We were in the middle of renegotiating for an extension, so I proactively looked for a new resource with a healthcare background to backfill him on the project. Two, identifying finance projects at the client. While as a healthcare client, many aspects of the work we were doing was finance-driven. For those last three months, I had him focus his efforts and attention there so he was more fulfilled. Three, connecting him to a new financial services client. Once the three months were up, he would need to find a new engagement. I reached out to the account manager of another client who had a few potential opportunities starting in the next couple of months. I had them set up lunch and eventually he started on that engagement following the completion of his contract with the healthcare client. I could have never held one-on-ones or asked him what he was passionate about and he probably would have left the company feeling overworked and unfulfilled. I didn't want to see this person leave the team, but ultimately it worked out for all parties and we kept moving forward. This exercise is more work and pain for the manager, but that is the point of being a leader, matching people's passions and skill sets to the work that needs to be done. It's not always a one-for-one -one match, 
but you can always strive for as close of a match as possible. Titanium number of the week, 2.7. The U.S. apparently added 2.7 million jobs to the job market in 2023, with 216,000 added in December. Thank you. Thank you for subscribing and for listening to this week's pod letter. If you enjoyed the pod letter, the best way to help is by sharing it with colleagues and friends. If you prefer to read the newsletter, the Datinium newsletter will be released weekly on Beehive, and you can find a link to subscribe in the comments. Feedback is a gift. Please reach out to datinium at gmail.com with any feedback or questions.